Welcome to the Harrisburg Brethren in Christ Church podcast. My name is Ryan Cagno. The HPIC podcast brings you weekly episodes on the topic of discipleship, where we'll sit down with members of the HPIC family to hear their stories, hear about the different ways people at HPIC are pursuing discipleship, in other words, how they are learning to follow Jesus' example and obey his teachings in their daily lives in practical ways. Um, this week I sat down with a fairly obscure member of our congregation named uh, Henry Hank Johnson, uh, and we talked around the subject of busyness, um, a lot of different dimensions to that, but mainly how it intersects with like church life, what you're doing and not doing uh, within the church, Sunday attendance, things of that nature, um, just kind of like all the different things that factor into that, um, and what it looks like to be um, busy about the kingdom in a healthy way. Um, hopefully we got there in some helpful ways. So hope you enjoy this. Uh, peace and blessings. Hank Johnson, welcome to the podcast. <laughs> hey, it's good to be here. You're you are the first staff person besides me. Wow. To be on it. I've been trying to get Carmen yeah. for months, but it hasn't happened yet. So oh, you're the first. Yeah. Don't blow it. People have high expectations. It's going to be a highly watched best. video. Yeah, uh, no you, pressure. And by watch video, I mean listen to listen audio because we don't watch. have. It's fine. It's fine. We don't have video. Um, you're a busy person. Yeah. Some would say an expert on the subject. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know how to take that, but yes, I, I would say I'm a busy person, and yeah. But I think, in a weird way, that's all of us, right? Um, I just think maybe sometimes I. Yeah, I think sometimes maybe I feel more busy than everyone else, but I think one of the things that's humbling is when you talk to people and you sit with people, you realize, oh, you're busy too, you know? So trying to, yeah, like navigate that's tricky. Um, I remember just like a couple of years ago, I had a mentor who was just like, when people ask you how you're doing, don't say busy. Cause I didn't realize how much that was my answer. <laughs> like, like literally for probably years, like there's probably people listening now who've asked me, how are you doing? I've said busy. So it's and been you'd interesting. And say it as, and it was almost like a positive kind of like, yeah, you know, busy. Oh, like, that's interesting. Was Would it I or not? say it as a positive? No, I think I said it. I don't know if it was. I think it was just neutral to just be like honest. Just like a habit thing, just kind of like. I think it was a habit thing for sure, but I think it was more my default, right? Like yeah. it was more like it wasn't positive or negative. It was neutral. It was just like, how are you doing? Well, it's busy. I'm busy. It was yeah. my reality. Um, so I think it was me trying to be open and vulnerable, but not realizing how wild that is. That when someone says, "How are you doing?" <laughs> my answer was busy, right? Like that to me is a. It's not an answer to the question. No, it's not as, but it's also not a sign of health. It's a what are you? That's the yeah. what are you doing question. Yeah, it's busy. Not it's just not it's how. not a sign of health. Right. So my my one mentor really helped me zero in on that. I still think I sometimes default to that, but I'm really trying to be conscious of like answering the question one, but then also making space and leaving space so it doesn't feel overwhelming and busy. Yeah, I used to always answer the question the same way as well, kind of mm-hmm. like I'm busy. I think for me I felt like I like I felt like I was supposed to say that. Mm. I don't know if it was just yeah. uh I didn't want people to know that well actually I've just been reading comic <laughs> books and like yeah. sports news. Yeah. Um maybe it was seminary, everyone was running around like crazy and I okay. felt like, well, I gotta make sure I'm saying I'm 
That's you know? interesting. I'm busy yeah. too, like everybody I don't else. Know if I ever, yeah, I think for me it was just more of like it was answering the questions as as I thought I was answering the question because I was busy. Well, you I was going to say for you it's just true. Yeah, most of the time. but at the same time though, it's like like you said, that's not what they're asking. You know, mm-hmm. they're asking how are you doing, not yeah. what are you doing, not you know how busy are you or what's all going on. It's just how are you doing, right? Um, cause you can be busy and doing good. You'd be busy and doing bad. So it's like, yeah. So for me, that was like one thing that kind of got my mind thinking on this, like age of busyness. Right. Um, and how busy we are. Yeah. Um, yeah. As a quick aside. Yeah. I mean, I have also tried to practice now, like answering the, how are you question with actually telling people how I'm doing. Yeah. Nothing freaks people out more. <laughs> that's They're not say, expecting That's it. the hard part now. They're like, how are you doing? They, they want to hear, oh, yeah. you know, busy, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Or they, they want to hear you're doing good. Instead, I square them up and I was going to say, yeah, they want to hear you're doing like, good. Let's if you're talk. like, oh, it's really been rough. Like some people don't know how to take that. Like, let's oh, talk. Whoa. I know you're just trying to get some creamer <laughs> in your coffee, but let's like, get to hear about can it. Can we have a session right now? Right now. But I do think it's, you know, for me in the past, it was, I was catching on to the fact that everyone else uh, around me, if not busy, um, certainly uh, wanted to seem busy or felt like they were busy, you yeah. know? And in this quote unquote, as you said, age of busyness, I think especially coming out of COVID, mm-hmm. I think when we like ramped all the way down to like nothing and we're just in our homes for a couple of months, Mm -hmm. when we started to build back up, I think we realized to some degree how how much we were doing. I personally have not ramped back up nearly to what I did. Good for you. (laughs) Well, I think I felt it more like when you add Mm -hmm. in things back on, you're like, man, really? That's true. It was pretty nice yeah. being home in the evenings and not yeah. doing stuff. But I don't know. What do you mean when you say age of busyness? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I mean, I think that's a good way. I think COVID changed everything, right? So I think that's probably a good marker of like when you scale down, forcibly scale down. And okay, there's some people who probably didn't scale down as much, right? There's probably some people who, for example, if you're a medical professional, you probably didn't slow down during COVID, right? True. Um, but for most of us, there was some kind of scale down. Either you didn't go into work physically or you didn't have your business or church, right? Like for a while, we did stuff mostly online right or even when we started to somewhat come back we'd record and then post that online so and just like your social engagements and stuff even if you were working even if you were working and going to church and doing these different things you weren't just like casually hanging out with people throughout the week exactly and 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 know some people had like we had like a bubble for example so there were some people that we saw you know, probably saw a little bit more than everyone. But yeah, I think what, so I, there's a book by John Mark Homer, and I can't think of it, but I, I, I want to say the radical, hold on, I'll just look it up and then you can edit it later. The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry? Yes, that guy, right? Haven't read it. I oh, it's brilliant. Heard of it. It's brilliant. So um, Comer's interesting because, like, I feel like if I'm an expert on busyness, as you say, which I still don't know how to take that, he probably can write the textbooks on busyness. I mean, from a little bit of his story, um, it's one of those things where it's like friend of a friend, right? So I have a really good friend who goes to his church, or one of his churches, I should say. Um, and he's someone who has gone through this season of pastoral busyness to the point where he shut down. Like, physically could not do it anymore. Like, literally ran himself into the ground. I think he, 
it might have happened twice. I know it happened at least once, right? So this ruthless elimination of hurry was part of his processing um, because he would start these almost church plants. You know, they would do great, great, great work. They would ramp up, ramp up, ramp up, and then literally he would crash, you know? And I think part of the grief that he's going through is that, like, what happens to those people who literally we just built up this thing and I can't do it anymore, right? I can't be in this setting anymore. Um, but what I liked about that book was him trying to not just tell that part of his story, but kind of like, I think in church sometimes, at least in my church experience sometimes, busyness can become like the fruit of the Spirit. Now, if you've actually read your Bible, you'll know it's not any of the fruit of the Spirit. Like, it's not there, right? But I think I say it's the fruit of the Spirit because I think sometimes our default is the thinking, like, the busier we are, right, the more righteous or more kingdom work we're doing. So why wouldn't we not do more? Um, but I think what Comer, and this book would have came out, I think, before the pandemic. So I think I read it before the pandemic. Um, but one of the things that he really opened my eyes to was just like, one, why are you so busy? Two, if you are so busy, you're running on fumes. That's not good. Like, you're not giving nearly your best. And then three, this is not sustainable, you know? So, and that kind of got me thinking about a bunch of things, right? A bunch of things, even... Um, like our church, right? Like some of the, not just like the church as a whole, but we as a staff, right? Um, we've had conversations for years about how, hey, some things seem so centralized. We need more volunteers, right? And and that's true. Like we we want more people participating. We need more people participating. Um, and we probably talk about that a little bit later. But like like it's been good to recognize it. It's been harder to change it. You know, it's been harder to to not be as busy, right? To not set up the schedule in a way where it's just stacked one thing after another, after another, after another. Um, like, so for me, for example, last weekend, you know, all of the staff went on this retreat and as the more I thought about it, it didn't feel like a retreat to me at all. Like the more I thought about it, I'm like, this is work. Like this feels like work. And, and honestly, like, having Monday where I took a day off and then Tuesday we didn't have staff meeting. So it felt like a day off was probably more soul giving to me than if I had been at that retreat, because even though it's a retreat, for example, it would have felt like work. Right. So I think for me, ruthless elimination of hurry started me thinking on this pathway to what do I do with all this busyness, you know, and how do I navigate it? And it was to the point where it was not just the church, it was also personal, right? Like, it helped me redefine, right? Like, even my relationship with my wife, right? So one of the things that he does in that book, which we, to our credit, we did this before the pandemic, and then we blame the pandemic. We're still working on getting it back, right? But he said that he advises, because he saw how much impact of his relationship, he advises every pastoral couple in that book, or I think every couple even, he says. But he just talked about how him and his wife, what they pledge to do now is, and I know for a lot of us, this is going to seem wild, right? But think about all the things we're busy with, and think about how much better this is for you as, as even like a, a couple, for example. So every week, they have a date night, no matter what. And it doesn't have to be fancy dinner. It can literally just be like, we'll go and buy ice cream and sit by the park, right? But there's a designated night every week that's into his natural rhythm. And I appeal to natural rhythms. You know, some people might call me OCD, but it's like, I appeal to natural rhythms. Like, it's easier for me to say, let's do this every Tuesday night than let's try to do this once a month, right? Like, if you try to do it, it's not getting done, right? You put it on the calendar, I'm usually good, right? So every week he says, you have to do this. You have to stay connected to your person. You know, being in ministry is going to make it 
hard. Having kids is going to make it hard. But like, no matter what, you're going to do this every week. And I was like, whoa, I felt so convicted. So the one year, actually, that was my wife's present. I was like, your present is working on a date night every single week. So I don't know if she liked the present, but I liked it. It was a great present, you know? Um, But then, like, he also says that as a family, so they have kids. And so as a family, with all the busyness all around them, they do um, family weekends once a month. So that once a month, you're like our unit is for Harper, you know, Kennedy, Shell, and me. So there's four of us, right? So once a month, you're going to do something with just your family. Like that's your focus. I mean, you might go places, you might meet friends and all this stuff, but like you're not having like a typical weekend where three different directions you're going in, right? It's like everything you do for that weekend once a month is all four of you for us are together, right? And that was amazing too, right? But then the one that he said that like he thought would be the hardest was once a quarter. And I was like, whoa, that's crazy. Every three months. But once a quarter, he leans on people in his community. So for him, it's grandparents, aunts and uncles, siblings, I think, for him. But once a month, like they trade off kids. Right. So like like the grandparents come in and they'll take the kids for the weekend. And him and his wife have a weekend together once once every three months, so like three, four times a year. And like the that was helpful for me because our marriage was fine and doing really well actually, but I started reading and having so many friends in ministry whose marriages were struggling. So not only was I convicted of my busyness, I was like, oh, I don't want to get to the struggle part, <laughs> you know. Um, but 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 he has so many examples like that throughout the book where it's like, hey, we are so ridiculously busy. If we don't establish healthier rhythms, we're always going to be busy. Did you have to cut out other things to make? those rhythms happen well yes i mean so for example the date night was probably the easiest to do because like it's one night a week and for us we realized that like i can just not have meetings those nights right so like for us i think initially it was a tuesday night because i didn't have i didn't have normal rhythms of meetings tuesday nights right and it also worked out that you know the person who was doing our babysitting at the time worked out for tuesdays so in essence it kind of picked itself right um, I think the other two were a little bit harder, you know, like the once a month thing, because like, especially in the rhythm of church, like there's not really rhythm, you know, there's not like, like you can't say, Hey, every third uh, weekend is family weekend. Well, stuff might happen third weekend at church and you're not able to do that. So I think that was probably the trickier one. The grandparents one wasn't that hard because like they're amazing, <laughs> you know, and they were actually already in a rhythm of doing that. Like, you know, so if they don't see the kids for a month or two to be like, hey, can we take them for a weekend? And we're like, yes, yes, yeah. you can. Right. Yeah. But I think with the, with the personal rhythms, there wasn't as much of a need for me to cut stuff out in the sense of like it was a value. I pursued it. I think where it was harder is in the more ministry rhythms right like i think that was the harder part like to step back in not just ministries in the church but especially like i was overextended outside the church that was the harder one to pull back from yeah um a couple things there that strike my mind the first is like the there's a lot of power in putting something on the calendar and just saying this is going to be like a rhythmic oh, thing. Yeah, every my week. wife will say amen to that. Cause, yeah. And then I don't even read the calendar, so that's not show. good for anyone. But it's, for me, I'm terrible at this, but yeah. like having calendars or having like lists and tasks and whatever, that in part helps me get out of like the busyness hurry thing mm. because otherwise I sit down my computer, I open it up and it's like... <laughs> Or my phone, and the yeah. entire world yep. is rushing at me. The mm-hmm. entire inbox, the mm-hmm. entire whatever, is just like yeah. 
crashing down on me like a waterfall. Um, and it's just overwhelming and crippling. Yeah. And it kind of gives you the sense of like, you feel like you're really busy and mm-hmm. hurried. And mm-hmm. whereas if you can say, okay, well, here's like the two things that need to happen today. Yeah. Uh, or that are going to happen today. Yeah. Two, three, four, whatever it is. Um, that's a big antidote to it. And I think for me in ministry, we can kind of say when you're talking about that or church life or whatever, um, the biggest thing that I'm still working on adjusting in myself is, um, like my expectations for like mm. what will happen and what yeah, won't happen. That's good. And it's kind of like a pace thing. Like, yeah. uh, maybe a, a thing that I think should happen this year is going to happen in, in at some point in five years, mm-hmm. or maybe it's just like it won't happen or I need to make my peace with like, yeah, I think COVID helped me realize like, well, not really. COVID started the process <laughs> of me realizing I have a capacity yeah. as a human. Yep. Um, and it's not everybody else's capacity. And I'm just mm-hmm. not going to be able to do all the things I want to do without mm-hmm. dying. Yeah. So adjusting that. And part of that is acknowledging, especially poignantly in ministry, you know, that we, we're we joining God in what God's doing and mm-hmm. not so much... We're not like the engine of the train, right? Yeah. yeah. And so there, there is a little, f- it's hard to let go of yeah. like the busyness. Yeah. Um, there's some self-importance wrapped up in that, but acknowledging like, no, God's the engine driving this train and, and to some degree we can settle back and like what gets done is what gets done and yep. uh, everything's going to be okay. Yeah. We don't need to be filling, filling every empty space with stuff. Yeah, I mean, I think the um, the other thing, too, I would even pull out of that is that, especially the idea of God's the engine, right? I think there's a lot of our values that is communal, but a lot of the work we do tends to not be communal, right? So I think that, We like, as pastors? Yeah. Like, I think that, like, theologically, you know, we believe in the body of Christ, but we tend not to operate like the body of Christ, right? And I think the challenge sometimes is to not just trust that, you know, the work's going to get done or what needs to get done will get done at its own pace. Sometimes I think the challenge is really believing that the body can do it, right? Like, I think a lot of times it's, it is. It's sometimes it's easier for you to just do it, right? And this isn't just pastoring. This is anyone who has any job, right? Like, like if you have any job where you're supervising or overseeing something, almost 99 out of 100, it's easier for you to just do it, right? doesn't mean it's best, right? So I think we all kind yeah. of operate with that. So for me, it's, it's, it's more, it's also about making my theology, and that's, right? Let me just real quick say, that's yeah. not to say we're superior to the people we would otherwise be asking no. or delegating. No, 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 it's no. just like it's simpler. Yeah. Oh, 100%. It's, like, it's yeah, going to take me three times as long to arrange for someone to go pick exactly. up this thing in the church van. Yeah. Why don't I just go do it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll give a I'll give a, a simple example. Like, this isn't even, like, work-related, right? Like, my kids go to school here in the city. It's always going to be easier for me to just pick them up than for me to ask anyone else to pick them up. Because if I ask you to pick them up, one, my kids have to know, their teachers have to know, the people who are letting them go have to know. You have to have a, a password here in the city. <laughs> you have to have, like, a, a secret number that 
that each kid has. To, you know what I mean? So it's, it's not even like a superiority thing. It's just sometimes there's more steps involved, right? Like, and, and, and so I think that like because of that tendency, I think that's probably the most healthy aspect of it. But I do think there's an unhealthy aspect where sometimes we don't know how to let things go, right? And yeah. we don't know how to bring other people in. So I think that's the work. And, and so for me, when I think about what are we doing with this busyness, it, it's is. I mean, I think this October is five years as senior pastor. And so we do like end of term reviews. So it's like a lot of reflection time, right? And one of the things I've been thinking about is what are the institutional things we're doing, right? That that's forcing this busyness, right? Like, like, and there's different ways we can go at it, right? You could look at the hours we're asking pastors to work. We could look at the hours we're asking volunteers to work. You know, we could look at, you know, the the, the different asks we are making of a as a congregation, right? So there's a lot of people who come from a, a framework where it's like you ask one big thing a month, that's it. You know, it's just like, but then you say in our services and it's like, wow, we just asked for six to eight. And that's if you didn't read the journey together, right? So so it, it, it's, it's thinking and processing through these things, right? Right? And, and so it's not just, oh, we're putting this on pastors, but we're also putting it on the congregation because every time we make an ask to the congregation, um, and a lot of people, when they think ask is financial, and I almost think we're at the place where people would more easily give finances than time, for example. right? If we say, hey, this is a need in the community, we really need to raise X, Y, Z, I have no doubt the church will, will get behind it, right? But People have more access to funds than than maybe time right now, you know. So that's what, and so that's kind of one of the things I've been thinking about, especially in the last day or two, is that like, how do we do ministry in this age of busyness? Because it's not just the pastors that are busy; everyone's busy, right? People have full time jobs, people have children, people have other nonprofits they might volunteer with, right? Um, people come here to be filled so they can go out because their job is ministry, <laughs> you know, it's kingdom work, you know, whether they're in education or healthcare, working for nonprofits, you know? So, so in this age where they're already busy, where maybe they're coming not to be consumers, but to actually be filled up so they can go out and do the work. Like, what does that look like? Right. What is, what does, what does ministry look like together in this age when we all are busy? Yeah. And, and while there might be some folks in our church that are unable, maybe, maybe we're busy with stuff we shouldn't be busy with. Mm. Maybe, maybe that's the case. I kind of give a lot of people the benefit of the doubt, and I think for good reason. Mm -hmm. Like like you said, a lot of us are busy with quote unquote kingdom work. A lot yep. of us are busy trying to be faithful. Yep. E even just let's speak to the people who are who are teachers mm -hmm. or um, yeah, work in human services or something. It's like, look, yeah. your your day job is it's like ministry. All if day. you're teaching elementary school at Foos right now, <laughs> uh, I we. It, you don't need to be giving any more to the church. Like yeah. it, you need to come and be yeah. filled 100%. and be sent back because that yeah. like your, your nine to five or your seven to three or whatever it mm -hmm. is, is, is ministry and a half right now, you yeah. know? Um, I'm with that. And yeah. so I, I think, yeah, when you ask the question, like how do we do ministry in this age of busyness? I at least am not hearing mm -hmm. how do we, yeah, up engagement yep. in church activities and yeah, programming 100%. when people are pulled in different directions. I'm yep. not. I'm not hearing that, mm -mm. and I personally am not asking that. Yeah. I'm asking, okay, how much should we be leaning into yeah. the fact 
that we're busy out here at the fringe, not at the fringes. Mm-hmm. Let's not think about it as the fringes. Yeah, anymore. I mean, if you we're look busy at like out on the frontier mm-hmm. of our lives yeah. and in our families. Listen, as a kid, I used to make fun of these churches that would have signs on the doorposts. Like you're entering the kingdom, you know, <laughs> or like when you're driving out of the, the the church, there's a sign on the lawn there leaning over saying you're entering the mission field. Right. Um, but that's always stuck with me. Right. Like I don't know whose idea that was in the churches I grew up in, but it's like it's always stuck with me. And so I think in one sense, we know this. Right. And I remember before I was on staff for a year almost, I met with Pastor Woody and I remember him saying one time like and I was like, this is weird, you know, but he was just like. And and I don't even know what the size of our church is. You know, it's safe to say we're smaller than than we are now. So that's probably safe to say. But like I remember him saying, "Yeah, if all the people of this church, you know, took the day off of work tomorrow, this region would be paralyzed." And I remember sitting there thinking to myself, "I was like, that's a weird flex. Like that's a really weird thing to brag about." But is it even true? Like, I mean, we're not that big of a church. Like, I don't get why you're telling me this, right? And I kid you not, like God has a sense of humor because I would say for the next three, four, five months, I kept meeting these people who were leading nonprofits, who were working in teaching or education in general, who were in healthcare, social work, human services. And it's like you realize that there are, like there's way more of our people who I would think for what they're doing for vocation is part of their life mission and there's are spreading the kingdom, right? Whether it's loving or providing opportunities for people or giving people better access to resources, right? So, you know, so I think that for me, navigating this age of busyness is, is, is more recognizing that like the work of this church doesn't just happen in this physical building. It's something I think we know, right? But it might not be how we always tend to operate, right? There, there are things that we do here that's wonderful, right? Like I think a lot of people keep telling me, I think Sunday morning is going to go away eventually. I was like, I hope not, right? And it's not because I preach, right? But I think it's, it's this idea of coming together to celebrate together. Like I think the ancients have it right. Like I think they didn't read, but they thought there was some power in not just hearing the word, but reciting things together, singing together. And I think we we'll always have a place for that in some form. However, I think that one of the freedoms that I'm starting to recognize and and to be more intentional about is there are going to be people in our community who are coming here to be filled up because Monday ministry is going to happen, right? And we need to, like, empower that, um, champion that, celebrate that, you know? Um, there's also going to be opportunities to do stuff here and we're going to need you to, we're going to need to invite you into doing that stuff here so we can empower that champion that and celebrate that as well. Like to me, one of the things I love about Christianity is that we as humans tend to make things either or, Mm -hmm. and a lot of time in our faith is both and right. Like we need to be able to, even though we're busy, we need to champion people who are serving and doing kingdom work as a seven to three, as a nine to five, even though we're busy, right. Most of us, as in probably all of us, <laughs> have grown in our faith because other people have invested in us, right? And they were probably just as busy as we are now, you know? So that's something that humbles me a little bit. When I think about how busy I am, you know, the other day I was talking to someone, I have a cousin who has six children, you know? Like, I just stopped talking about busyness with kids after, like, one conversation with him because I'm just like, oh, no, you win. <laughs> like, like, I got two. <laughs> I'm, I'm struggling with two to stay on top of everything. Six? Wow, you know? Um, but no, so I think that, like, one of the things I've also recognized is that, like, 
we've always had stuff to do. We've always been busy. But I am so glad that there were so many people who still invested in me, right? Um, whether it was prayer, whether it was mentorship, whether it was giving opportunities. And so I think all of us, no matter what stage we're in in life, we ought to be pouring into people too. So it's like, what does that look like? So I think those are fun questions to kind of dream about. Yeah, we all ought to be investing in other people in that way. We all ought to be, whatever ministry looks like for us, we ought to be conducting that. We all, being a minister of reconciliation and ambassador Mm -hmm. of the gospel is not an optional aspect of our lives, right? So if you're too busy to be carrying out ministry in some form or fashion, then, then you're too busy. Yeah. Um, but the paradigm shift for me is, mm. but carrying out that ministry does not necessarily look like being engaged in a program of the church. And exactly. it's kind of like flipping the paradigms and, and thinking about like the direction, the energy is flowing mm-hmm, in regards mm-hmm. to like the church as an institution and the people that make it up, yeah. uh, like kind of reversing the flow of that to where like, no, like we're not asking you to come and give of your time and your money to keep this institution going. This institution is here. Mm -hmm. It represents our collected organized effort to empower and send out folks to do ministry. And sometimes that ministry takes place within the walls of this church Mm -hmm. and involves, you know, an extra layer of organization and kind of like, you know, our resources and time in this building. And a lot of times it doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and giving language to that and saying like, you know, how are we organizing our lives then to be able to do that? And the, where this intersects with busyness in my mind is for a lot of folks in this church, ministry is not going to involve adding yeah. anything extra yep. to your, to the, the plate, plate of your yeah. life. Yeah. Um, it involves like pointing and acknowledging. Mm-hmm what you're already doing and framing that as ministry. Well, and I think that like, I mean, so to me, it's even just the idea of blessing it. I think that this has always happened. I think people have always, and and again, like I've been in the church, it's kind of weird to say almost 20 years now. So it's like, I know there's people in this church, most of this church where like, yeah, they, they see the work that they do as ministry. They see, and then even if it's not the work that they do, the work they do in their neighborhood, you know, the volunteer hours they put in um, and where they're physically at, they see it as, as, as part of who God calls them to be, right? But I think for me, it's, it's, it's also blessing that, right? Like, it's, it's giving people a blessing to say that, like, well, I mean, it might be something simple as, like, before the school year starts, we pray for teachers and students, right? Um, but I think there's other <laughs> trades, right? There's other industries that need blessing, too. So for me, it's it's not just acknowledging that people are doing ministry or kingdom work outside of our physical walls, but it's it's blessing it, you know? It's, it's giving them not just the freedom, but to say that, like, God is using you, you know? And that's amazing. That's wonderful. Um, I also think, though, that, like, there are things that... So it's interesting, because a lot of times I think we make this an either-or conversation, and it almost seems like people do it, the blessing of work outside of the four walls, almost to the detriment of the four walls, right? Like, there's something that brings us to this space. There's something that calls us this unique body, right? I remember one of my favorite Pastor Woody lines of all time is like he would get up there and be like, some mornings when I look out at y'all, I think to myself, only the spirit can keep us together. 
And then some winnings, I think to myself, oh my goodness, only despair can keep us together, right? Um, and, and, and if you get past the humor of that, the, 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 that's the truth of the matter, right? There's a reason why we're called to this mission and vision. There's a reason why we flesh it out in a distinct way from other churches, right? So I still think we need the, the institution in the sense of like to, to come together, to celebrate, to worship together, right? Um, I think that's another thing that's tricky too is that like we also live in this day and age where um, we also live in this day and age where it's like everything's so individualized, right? Where everything is so personalized, right? So I think that like the call back to community, right? Because think about this, like a lot of times we want community, but it might be in the people I choose, which is fair, right? But I think being church isn't just about who we choose to be with. I think being is who we call to live with and do life with, right? And I think that corporate worship, I think the the big ideas of, hey, we as H-Break are doing this together, I think we also need that too, you know? Yeah, the, it, it's a rhythmic thing. And that's a good word because the tendency, if when, if we're focused on the sending and the kind mm-hmm. of the ministry on the frontier, um, yeah, it can become an individualized. Yeah. Or as we fade on the corporate gathering, like yep. the larger scale celebration gathering, you know, I think most folks will still have some type of gathering of mm-hmm. believers in their life, but that tends to look more like an affinity group. Yeah. We're going to choose to gather with the people that we like yeah. And, yeah. and vibe with, which is also mm-hmm. a good and necessary aspect yeah, of the Christian it's tricky, life. Right? That's yeah. something we need. But yeah. like to your point, the larger gathering, mm-hmm. whatever larger means for some churches, it's going to be 50, 60. And for some, it's going to yeah. be a couple hundred. Well, it's and here's, still the like, thing. here's the thing, right? Like the irony to me in this is that people will bemoan large gathering worship services, but yet when they want a movement, they'll go to a large gathering something else, right? Mm-hmm. And it doesn't just have to be politics. That's the one I was thinking of initially, but like it could be music, right? Like it's just like, I don't believe in live gathering, but I'll go to a concert for three hours, right? I'll go to a sports game for three hours, right? Like it's like, there's a tendency where we acknowledge there's just certain things that can, like, listen, you might love the Philadelphia Phillies right now, right? Playoffs, you're excited. Red October. Like... I don't care what you tell me. No real fan is going to be happier on their couch than front row, right? Behind home plate, right? It's just like, like there's, 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 there's something inherent in us. Shout out Bryce says, Stott, Grand yeah. Slam, let's go. <laughs> there's, that's going to be deleted out. But like, there's, there's, there's how something the, how in us. How are the Mets us. doing in the playoffs? The Mets are on vacation. Okay. But like, there's something in us, though, that acknowledges the need of the power having of more kinda, yeah. than one, right? Like, I don't care how personalized, because here's the irony, too, is like, sometimes we want stuff so personalized, but then we want to go to find people who personalize it just like we do, you sure. know? So I think there is this need inherently in us, there, right? For a couple reasons, right? Yeah. There is that, uh, yeah, there's this inherent need for, like, the mountaintop. Yeah. And we don't live on the mountaintop, mm. but we we go up, t- we go up it, you yeah. know, at times, right? Um, as we see throughout scripture, you know, kind of metaphorically or literally. Yeah. And then also, like you said earlier, um, in the larger gathering, there's an important part of church where we're just with people we wouldn't choose, mm-hmm. um, but have been chosen by God and put yeah. together. Right. Well, and even rediscovering the reverence, right. They just hit me years ago. 
Um, I mean, I might have been a teenager even. My first trip to the original Yankee Stadium, right? Mm-hmm. Original. So this isn't like that new monstrosity they have. This is the original with the black bleachers, right? Like, listen, I survived the black bleachers wearing full Red Sox gear for my best friend, but that's another story. The point is, the old Yankee Stadium had all the legends play there, you know? And I remember as a kid walking in, I was like... I don't know how else to describe it, but I was humbled. I was just like, this is wild. Like, Babe Ruth played there. You know, Lou Gehrig played there. You know, like, like I just went through all the lists, and I'm just like, this is wild. Like, you're talking about, like, Roger Maris, you know, like, Joe DiMaggio. Like, like we're talking about Hall of Famers, the greatest players of all time, and I was literally humbled. I was just like, this is amazing. I'm just in that presence of them, right? And the Holy Spirit has a sense of humor because I feel like the Spirit let me have that moment. And as soon as I came down the mountaintop, it was just like, but why don't you feel this way when you walk into church? And I was like, ooh, that's a word. I don't like that one, you know? But it really started like reordering my thinking, right? Like we are walking in with a chance to encounter, experience um, the living God with sisters and brothers, people who've been impacted way more in their life, in their destinies, than any baseball player can impact them, right? And we're getting a chance to do that every Sunday. Like, and it, I was convicted. Not everyone's going to be convicted, but I was convicted. It's just like, why do I have more awe? And I'm a Mets fan, too. Like, why? Do, well, it's because we don't have Hall of Famers as many, but that's another story. Like, but why am I more Shout in out awe? Shout Strawberry. Yeah, like, why am I? Well, he didn't make it. But why oh. am I more in awe of Yankee Stadium? Than I am of, and at the time I went to a church of 50 to 60, than I am of like worshiping the, the living God every Sunday. So, so I do think that like we have not just this inherent tendency to want the, the everyone together, right? But it's like, what are we gathering around? And, and so for me, part of this, even kind of diving to the age of busyness is part of this is how do we frame the kingdom or how do we teach the kingdom? How do we model the kingdom in a stage where we have people now who say, I can have my piece of the kingdom on my own, right? And, and yeah. that's our tendency as well. Yeah, because church, ecclesia, literally means like yeah. gathering, yeah. you know, like the called yep. out ones. Um, well, another thing to I'll say together. really quickly too, it's funny because I have this um, Tim Keller quote that's been playing in my head, right? And basically, I mean, I'm going to butcher it, but I don't know, I'm not going to butcher it. I'm going to paraphrase it. And if he says something to the extent of like, all of history would tell us, or all of Christian history would tell us that the greatest growth in the church was not from a large gathering or even a small group. It was from believers going out and doing the life and living the kingdom, right? And so for me, what's challenging about that is that a lot of times people use that to say, well, we don't need large gatherings, right? But I think there's also a lot of us who use that to say, like, this is why small groups is the answer, but like they didn't do that either, <laughs> you know. Like 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 they actually just lived life out there and invited people into the life they were living, you know. So to me that was different. Like like what we call or think of as small groups was their large gathering. Like their nine to five was literally living kingdom, right? So I think that's one way we can get through some of this busyness is that like how are we ordering our steps? You know, how are we living in a way that we are espousing or teaching the kingdom just from living? Yeah, no, that's good. I, I think just acknowledging the importance and the reality of these different social spaces that we mm-hmm. exist in as all meaningful and, and for Christians, all necessary in some capacity. You yeah. know, like we do need 
to be faithful at work, at school, in our homes, at that kind of more individual level. Like there's a lot of work of the spirit being done there. We do need, you know, a, a small group. Yeah. Um, and again, this doesn't look like signing up for an HPIC sanctioned life group <laughs> necessarily. Yeah, yeah. Um, but like we do need a, 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 you know, a handful or a dozen folks that we're walking mm-hmm. in life with more closely. And we probably have that group. Yeah. Yep. If you ask, if you step back and ask yourself, like, you know, Ooh, that's tricky and, though, because do we have that group, right? Well, like, I think we, 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 the... we have that less and less and that's part yeah. of our busyness. And that's part of just yeah. the, what did the Surgeon General call the the epidemic of yep. uh, loneliness long and report. isolation? I'm still, I'm still working my way. Yeah, through I'm on it. page seven hundred and twelve. It's currently. awful, but um, it's it's really depressing. So we have that, but in theory, yeah, yeah. we have whether it's our family or or, or a, a wider swath of folks, mm-hmm. um, people are, we're walking with at that level, and then we also have the larger gatherings and mm-hmm. kind of the mountaintop experiences. I think we don't need to choose between the three of these yeah. spheres of life. Mm-hmm. It could be a question of like the pH balance of how we, uh, uh, you know, what we, and historically the pH balance would have been shifted. I think there is some point to the critique of like the pH balance was shifted too severely in favor of like the large gatherings Mm -hmm. as like the thing. Mm -hmm. And then as a pendulum is swung to these other, the pendulum swung into the small group era to that's the deal. Mm -hmm. And then it's swung also into, you know, and I'm sympathetic to the fact, as I've said before on this podcast, I've said it in sermons, we can get too busy doing church stuff yeah. to be the church in the world. 100%. You know, and so I'm not saying, you know, so the question then is in, in regards to busyness, you know, if people attend uh, on average Sunday worship like mm-hmm. 1.3 times yeah. per Keeps going month it might be down to 1.0 yeah. yeah part of the question then becomes like do we mm. is it like how do we get that back up to three which probably was 100 years ago I was gonna or, say when was it three because <laughs> it's not like, in our lifetime yeah, yeah. It, it, the question is how do we push that number back up or mm. how do we kind of uh, how do we adjust and accommodate our discipleship efforts for the fact that people are showing up once a month on average, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think that's, well, here's the other wrinkle of that is it's the once a month, but you're still somewhat maintaining the same total count, which means that you now have more people, you know what I'm saying? So it's not like, it's not like, for example, first Sunday we have 400 and then we have a hundred um, the next three Sundays, right? Right. You might have 400 every Sunday. And 300 of those are different each time. Every yeah. time, right? So like, so I think that's another wrinkle in this. It's not just, oh, hey, what do we do? Do we get the number back up, right? Because it's like, it just means that most churches, and we're one of them, like whoever you consider your core, right, has expanded, you know? So if you average 100, you might have 200 that's in that core that come once a month or whatever, right? If you have 200 that you average, that might be closer to three, 400, right? Um, if we're averaging 350, 400, that core number of coming at least once a month might be 700, right? Yeah. So I think that's something that needs to be acknowledged as well. So it's not just about, hey, how do we get this number up, right? It's got to be about like, how do we get this number up if we're not seeing people as much, but we're seeing more people? And and just maybe it just means how do we start to go by a, a new number, exactly a different number, exactly. You know the Sunday attendance matters less and less. And and for us, you know, how do we gauge a new number of who mm-hmm. 
who is our church? Yeah. Um, who is involved in the work of the spirit in the ministry here? Um, because we can't look out from the pulpit in the sanctuary oh, and answer yeah. that question and say, here is our church. Like, yeah. no, no, no. Mm-hmm. It's, it's broader than that. And a lot of it's just honoring. Yeah. Um, blessing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and trying to figure out what it means to join the spirit uh, in his work in, in these more disparate places. Um, it's not blessing the busyness to kind of try and put a bow on this topic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not good. blessing the yeah. busyness necessarily, but rather than trying to compete or wrench people away, uh-huh. you know, finding the places in people's lives where God is at work and ministry is happening yeah. and transformation is happening, blessing those spaces. Yeah, and I think that's a good word, right? Because we even said this earlier, like, some of us are busy and it's not good, <laughs> you know? Some of us are busy because we haven't done the work of prioritizing correctly or prioritizing in a good way, right? We've put other things first. And, and so I don't think, you know, Scripture or even the Holy Spirit or God himself would be like, I don't think God would be like, listen, I know you're busy. That's why I'm not first in your life. <laughs> you know, like, you get a pass, right? So I, I think that's also needs to be reiterated that, like, if you're doing your busyness and your busyness is still doing kingdom work and seeing transformation, that's good. But if your busyness is not like doing any aspect of kingdom work, especially like, is that good busyness? So I think there's, there's room to, to also call that out. Right. Um, And then I think there's also like, I think part of this is, we're coming out of a generation, I think maybe my generation's hopefully the last one and it never comes back, right? But I think we were such children of the Enlightenment that we really believed that like the core was you can argue people into the kingdom, right? You can say, these are my values, and then they'll just read them and be like, yes, that's how I am too, right? Or like, these are my, my precepts, these are the lines, that's how you stay within the lines. And we're living now in a culture that's kind of fighting on all of that. <laughs> you know, it's just like we're living on a culture that you say these are my values. And I'm like, well, that's in judgment of me or like that value keeps me out. Or we live in a culture where you say like, you know, this is just who we are. Right. And people would say, like, is this who you are? Like, I'm not seeing this. Right. So I think there's a like why, where I would argue the pendulum has gone too far to experiential I still think there's stuff we can learn from that, right? Like, it's not good enough for us to just say these are our values, right? It's not good enough for us to just say we're Christians, right? Like, if people need to know what does that mean, because they know all sorts of Christians. So, yeah, so I think for me, it's, it's, it's what is the busyness, right? Like, is it busyness and I'm still doing kingdom work, or is it just busyness because I'm busy, right? Because life is busy, you know? And I think those are very personal questions, but I also think the church can call that out too. Like a lot of times when people, even this conversation, when we frame busyness, we say, well, you might be too busy to do this at church, right? And that's fair. But I also think that like part of the work of the community is to say that like, but what are we actually investing our energy into? Like what are we actually pouring our, our busyness into, right? Like, And I think sometimes we can't hear that outside of the community because 
Like if my kids get into a sport and like, for example, I'm just picking on sports because I like sports, right? My kids get into a sport and then that becomes my community, but it takes away from everything I'm doing or most of what I can do at the church. Like I think like my community, friends, family, you know, church would have a right to sit me down and be like, hey. And and so I think that's tricky for some of us, right? Because it's like, well, this is my family's decision. But I think I want to live in community in a way that the people who are in my life will pull me down and say, hey, um, I know you're busy with X, Y, Z, but how is that like good yeah. for the kingdom? Like, yeah. Or how are you living out kingdom principles in this, right? And be, I'm like, well, I'm buying apple slices for everyone <laughs> you know it might be that right but no like i think we also have to be able to parse out good busyness not even busyness but like yeah like good work and 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 good work for the kingdom and good work for hank right good work for the kingdom and good work for me i think we have to be able to parse that out too yeah and let those non-kingdom values and commitments be kind of transformed yeah. and, and overhauled yep. under the light of the mutual mm-hmm. admission of this community yeah, and, and so, like, I, I think that when I think about some of this stuff, too, is, like, I think it is important that, you know, we let people be blessed and to go out and keep doing what they're doing, right? But I also think it's just as important for us to invite. So that's what I was going to say. Like, I think part of this is we've come out of this age of arguing and saying this is where we stand and then people fall in line to like invitation, right? Like I think we need to be able to invite people into the kingdom. We need to be able to invite people into the rhythms of the life that we're living. We need to be able to invite people um, to come and see and experience, right? Like I think some of the, the old timers have it right. Like, you know, like they would invite people to church. My generation was just like, oh, I don't know. Like I invite them to youth group but not church, you know? But like there was something right about that, right? And, and, and so I think that's, looking at it more as invitation, you know? So for me, when I think about my busyness, is that, like, how am I living in a rhythm that invites other people to see the kingdom, Mm -hmm. right? So, like, and that helps me reassess, you know? Like, we have some, some family friends, and they were asking to have a sleepover with our kids and blah, 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 blah. And my initial thought was, like, I'm way too busy to have all these kids in the house, you know? But then the more I thought about it, I was just like, but wait a second, like... Isn't it more impactful that, like, our families can have this connection, our kids have this connection, they can make these memories in a place they all feel safe and loved? Like, like that makes sense, right? Like, so whatever else I had this weekend is probably not as important as my kids and their friends, right, having a fun weekend, you know? So it's like, so I think that's the thing that, like, uh, that's at least the paradigm or at least the framework I want to work within, right? Like, is what I'm doing, right? All this busyness, I'm busy. Is it actually pushing the kingdom forward, right? Because if it's not, my question to myself is, what am I doing? <laughs> you know, like, like why, you know? Um, so that's the challenge for me. That's kind of where I try to land it, right? Like, is all this busyness, I'm busy, is it somehow helping the kingdom, right? And sure, years later, months later, minutes later, God might be like, yeah, it's not helping at all, right? But I'm at least trying to push the kingdom forward. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And with that, just as a parting word to say, um, as much as we, you know, could with our efforts maybe push the kingdom forward, I I would frame it more as like participation Mm. in the way the kingdom is going forward. And Mm -hmm. like, you know, well, that's an interesting one, um, because right? Because we can, like, yeah. we can be, um, 
busy, quote unquote, about mm-hmm. the work of the kingdom. Yeah. And that can become an unhealthy thing as well. Um, and so <laughs> as much as we want, we want to invite people in this kingdom that we also are invited into mm-hmm. um, and with the acknowledgement that like, hey, like you, you participate in this work, you join in this work. Yeah. Um, but if you need to like slow down for a week, mm-hmm. um, you know, the fate of the universe isn't hanging in the balance of that. Yeah. Right. Like what you, what we're doing matters. Mm-hmm. Um, immensely. Mm-hmm. But we all also are joining like the God of the universe in it. So mm-hmm. there can be times to, Hey, you know, relax a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was gonna say like yeah, I'm I'm even thinking with, I think the thing about invitation to me, I know some of our families don't operate this way, and I speak that as my own family, right? Where when you're invited, you're expected to come, <laughs> you're you're expected to participate, right? But if we just go to the you know Webster's definition of invite, right, is you have an option whether or not you participate, you have an option whether or not you commit, you have a option whether or not you say yes or no right so I, I do like that word of participation but i also think that like it's tricky for me because i think it's not an either or again it's a both and right like i think it's also this idea of like i i think we maybe it's just the circles i'm tracking in but i think we're so personalized and we're so individualized that like like there's a there's got to be a sweet spot between i'm choosing to participate and God or the community calls me to, to, to participate, right? There's got to be a sweet spot between these are my gifts and this is what the church needs for me, so I got to step forward, sure, yeah. right? And I, and I think that's what makes it hard because if it was either or, right? Like if it was just about my personal gifting, I'm like, you know, like, hmm, I just, I don't have the gifts. I don't have to do it, right? Or if it's just me accepting the invitation or not to participate, then I'm like, I, I can say no to that too, right? But I but I also don't want to be in a place where like the church needs it. I have to do it either, right? So I think that's what makes rhythms of Christian life hard, right? Like we're not, even though some of our, our kinfolk, right? Like some of our siblings, like I think sometimes they they want to prescribe the faith, right? And say, it almost make it formulaic, right? Like you do ABC and you'll get to D. And I don't think it is. And I think so you have to find, and the best part about this is you get to do it in every season of life, every year, sometimes for some of us every day, every week, right? Like you're going to have to consistently define like what is that sweet spot between my giftings and the needs of the church? What is that sweet spot between what, you know, I feel compelled to do or what I feel called to do, right? And I think that a lot of times in churches, especially our size, that's harder for people. In a small church, you know, like the church I grew up in, like no one said that like, hey, you're going to be a preacher. It was just like, eh. We think you're old enough. Get up there. Try it. You know what I mean? So there might be more of that tendency, right? But I think for all of us, it's not just, hey, let me take the spiritual gifts inventory, right? One of the beauties about our God is that none of us have gifts that are, like, prescribed to us, and those are the only gifts we get, right? Like, it's not like you're good at this thing. That's all you will be good at, right? 
it's also possible for you to grow in certain areas, and you can't grow without trying. So I think, for me, it's sweet spot, man. It's invitation, yeah. it's participation, it's pH balance, as you said. Right? It's, yeah. it's finding that rhythm and that sweet spot of what's called, what's needed, what's gifted, mm-hmm. where, where can I grow to be a gift? And it's, it's How do we that. be a community where we're calling people and challenging and setting a bar exactly. based on things we see that they might not see in themselves, yep. while also not ringing people out like they're yeah, you know, yeah. sponges. Yeah. Yeah. And it's hard because there's needs, right? Like, listen, we, let's say we have 400 people on a Sunday and you tell me 120 of those, or let's, this is do easy math. 150 of those are 18 and under. You know what I mean? Like that means there's going to be needs. Like to me, like that's like, Ooh, it can't just be about calling anymore. <laughs> you know, right. like and some, can't of, those, just be some about of those people yeah. feel personally compelled to step up yeah. and help. Yeah. And some of those people, there might be a season where someone else needs to say, you exactly. need to get your butt in there. A hundred percent. Right. And yeah. so and I think that's part of being church too. And I think that's something I'm, I'm, I'm thinking and praying through. How do we invite people to participate even if it's not their primary call? Right. Like, how do we invite to participate in those areas of 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 need, um, but also like in something that we all value? Like, like I, I keep saying this, like most of us who become Christians, especially younger age, we had people investing in us. Right. And, and so when I think about my busyness, you know, who am I actually investing in? You know, not a corporate setting through a preaching of a word, but like, who am I actually investing in? And then so, so I think that's that sweet spot I speak of. Like this might, listen, your primary gift might not be to work in a nursery, but you know what? You might bless that mom by sitting in the nursery once a week and just playing with kids, right? Like, I, I think there's like, there's, 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 there's got to be a sweet spot. I don't know how else to say it. It's like a sports analogy, but there's got to be this sweet spot between where do I find my calling and my gifting to meeting the needs of the church that I love in a way that pushes the kingdom forward, right? Like, like I think that's that's the work. If, 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 if Yeah, I think that's the work. Well, dear listener, glad we could leave you with such a clear an unambiguous Amen. picture of Done. <laughs> what we're talking about. <laughs> no, it's good. These conversations, uh, the the dialectic, if you will, there you um, go. helps us get at Fancy. some of the some of the complexity of things yeah. here. That's why I like this format, uh, not better, but differently than sermons, where you know yeah. you have the opportunity. It's to better, um, no, I'm <laughs> um, where you can get the back and forth and kind of hone in on an idea um, and kind of hear different sides. So. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Pastor Hank. Yeah, this is great. Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm honored. Well, I hope you enjoyed you know? it because it's the last time. <laughs> Hopefully not, but we'll see. All right. We'll see. Well, it depends. <laughs> depends how many emails you get about it. Wow. Oh, yeah. <laughs>